Hello and welcome to the Freelance Party Broadcast. I'm Faye and this is Jess. Hiya. This week we are considering the political positions of the three major parties, the Conservatives, Labour and the Lib Dems, and where they stand on self-employment and small businesses. We are joined today by Simon McVicker and Alistair Hutchinson from IPSI, the Association of Independent Professionals and the Self-Employed. Faye, you're uh, you're really into your politics, aren't you? Well, no, I'm not really a politics nerd. I try to go and like try to learn as I go. So I listen to some podcasts and I tune into the news. But I also try and learn from you, Jess, don't I? You could say that. For context for our listeners, the other day, Faye and I were walking into Westminster and we work in Westminster. Like we, How long have you worked in Westminster? Just over a year. And how long have you lived in London? All my life. So Faye and I walked into Westminster the other day and she pointed at Westminster Abbey and said, I've always wondered what that building is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I know now, don't I? We have to learn from these kind of things, don't we? <laughs> That's the point, though. Today, no question is too stupid and we're going to learn from these experts all about self-employment and what the three major parties say about them. Alistair, so three people from Ipsy went to the party conferences, is that right? Yes, um, so we kind of divvied up uh, responsibilities within the team. So I went to the Liberal Democrat Party conference. Simon went to the Conservative and Labour Party conferences. I didn't go to the Labour Party conference. <laughs> <laughs> I sent somebody else to that. <laughs> and how did they go? Um, I'm happy to kick off with the, first, the Lib Dem conference, which was the, the first one up, which was down in very sunny Bournemouth. Um, I think with the Lib Dem, so it's an interesting time for, for them as a party. They obviously had a very tough time during the coalition years when they were in uh, government with the Conservatives. And I think they were kind of in the wilderness a little bit. But I think because they have a very kind of strong position on uh, Brexit, their position is very much that we should be part of the European Union and so they want to see a second referendum to get us back in. They feel that they have quite a lot of momentum now. So there was quite an upbeat vibe around uh, party conference while I was there speaking with activists and uh, some of the, the MPs as well. So they all went into the sea, didn't they? The Lib Dem MPs, they walked into yes, the sea together. Yes, there was a rather bizarre photo shoot that the, um, <laughs> I'm not sure who their press officer was that decided that this would be a good idea. But yes, there was an image at the end of the conference of all the party uh, MPs who, so the Lib Dems, although kind of they only had a few elected at the last election, they've benefited from a lot of defections from other parties in recent months. Kind of Labour MPs and Conservative MPs have become alienated with their own parties, have kind of joined the Lib Dems. So they were kind of able to boast that they've got a few more numbers, which was why they were taking a opportunity to show how many that they had on the, on the beach of Bournemouth, yes. Definitely a talking point. Yeah. <laughs> so Simon, uh, moving on to the Conservative Party conference, what, what did you hear there? Well, first of all, the Conservative Party conference, it was a, a strange event this year. Um, you had a, outwardly a very uh, upbeat and confident party who believed that uh, they were going to um, leave the European Union on the 31st of October, come what may, die in the ditch, read by the Prime Minister, who has a very uh, robust spirit. But that was, I think, very much for the TV cameras. Uh, I think behind the scenes and with the people I was talking to, there's a lot of nervousness. There's a lot of um, concern about where we are all heading and how it's all going to end up. They believe they're going to leave with a, uh, with a deal, but uh, quite a few of them are prepared to leave without a deal. And of course, a lot of economists and business people think that would be disastrous for the country. I think the Conservative Party needs to... Um, maybe stop uh, listening to themselves and maybe start listening a little bit more 
to these experts in in the business world and the the economic world. I mean, I think we all want a successful um, Brexit. We all want to leave with a good deal. But I think um, some of the rhetoric we're getting is very scary. And I think we need to turn it down a bit and see whether we can work together, both business and the Conservative Party, and indeed maybe other parties in the House of Commons. We can all work together to get this deal done because I do feel that, you know, the direction of travel is definitely we're leaving the European Union. I think all the second referendum business is a red herring and it's a distraction. We're leaving. There will be a general election soon, so the people will have a chance to have their verdict on what's happening. But um, I I don't see us not leaving the European Union. Uh, We will probably be out in the next couple of months. So what's important to note probably is that we're recording this on the 24th October and when these go out on the 4th of November, there's quite an important thing happening between those dates currently. Alistair, can you talk us through what's going to happen in the next couple of weeks or week even? Um, on the one hand, I wish I could kind of <laughs> very helpfully guide you through kind of day by day what's going to happen. Do you think we do know that we're not leaving on the 31st of October? Yes, now? I think... That um, is now pretty definite. Yes, I think that is that is now definitely the case. There was a lot of um, talk when Boris Johnson first became Prime Minister that they would be able to find kind of ways around the state if they were forced to um, go to back to the EU for an extension, but that's not really proven to be the, the case. So as of today, which is kind of all I can kind of confidently say is um, we're waiting now to see what the EU's response is to the extension request that was sent um, by Boris Johnson. And um, it seems to be that this will be an extension of, you know, up until kind of the end of January. Um, And then really it's a question of the ball goes back to the UK's side. Does Boris Johnson try and use the next few weeks to get through this legislation, this deal that he's managed to get from Brussels? Um, He has seen that there's some support for it in Parliament. They did pass a kind of, you know, initial stage of the um, the legislation. So there is clearly some kind of majority there. But there's a lot of risks in kind of taking it through Parliament as well. Bills can be amended and uh, there's all sorts of hijinks that MPs can get up to. So the other alternative, the other option which is on the table is a general election. And that will really be down to whether the Labour Party um, are kind of happy to go into one, which would probably be... I think the problem, the, the problem we have at the moment is there's no trust in Parliament. So you have the opposition don't trust Boris and so are scared to go to an election in case Boris has left a devious way to leave with no deal. But then um, the opposition don't trust Jeremy Corbyn. So they're not prepared to bring Boris down and put Corbyn in because of his extreme left-wing policies in their mind. And then the the government doesn't uh, trust Corbyn either. They had talks yesterday about whether they could uh, come to an accommodation. And, um, you know, the reports from that is that Boris felt that uh, the, the, the opposition weren't being honest and they were going to try and hinder the deal even further. And that's why all the briefing coming out of Number 10 now is for a general election. So if there's a general election and you're self-employed, there are more issues to think about than potentially there are for an employed person. So for us, someone sorts out our pension for us. There's some We don't have to consider how much tax we pay and we have those maternity and paternity leave safe rides. So you might have to worry more if you're self-employed and you don't have those things given to you and you rely more 
on government policy. Is that a fair thing to say? Yes, I think so. And we can possibly get into a bit of bit more discussion around this. But the three parties that we're kind of talking about today all have quite distinct visions for the economy, for business, for the role of government. And if you're self-employed, you know, there, there are potentially some quite big differences um, depending on what the kind of political makeup of the next government is. So the Conservatives, for instance, they have kind of historically championed themselves as, you know, the party of self-employment. I think Margaret Thatcher was very, and, you know, John Major really kind of made big efforts to reach out to this um, kind of constituency of, you know, kind of entrepreneurs and really spoke that language quite a lot. And I think they will be looking to kind of reconnect with um, the, the kind of self-employed population in, in this election. Labour come from a slightly different position. You know, the history of that movement is very much based around expanding workers' rights. So they think that um, particularly with the rise of the gig economy, you know, there's a lot of people out there who are perhaps not self-employed by their own volition, that they're pushed into it and they maybe need a sort of safety net and protection. So the Labour Party would probably look at this and be more of a position of kind of expanding, uh, you know, workers' rights to people who are freelancer, perhaps even changing, you know, the kind of category that you are as a self-employed person so that you can get access to some of these these rights. So those are the kind of debates that will probably be playing out, I think, in the election around mm. self-employment. I think, uh, you know, it's very important to remember that the self-employed are nearly 5 million in the economy now, 5 million people. And that means there's 5 million votes out there to be grabbed. 5 million is, is almost the same number of people who work in the public sector. Yeah. It's one in nine of the electorate. So if you can win a constituency like these 5 million self-employed people, you are going to have a lot of votes going mm. your way and you're going to win a lot of seats, especially in areas where there's a lot of self-employed people. We are actually representing quite a, a big core constituency now in the general election. And we've just got to try and speak with one voice and make the politicians understand that we are one voice and we are standing for the same things. And that's how we will be effective. I think for, you know, for freelancers and self-employed people, <clears throat> they are, you know, similar to other people in the country, concerned about the NHS, concerned about education, crime. Um, so there'll be, you know, several kind of issues that they will be voting on kind of outside their own business that they run. But I think what we at Ipsy, and we can again kind of maybe come on to this later on, but, you know, what we're saying is there's actually some key issues that affect um, freelancers specifically that we think the parties should all have in their heads when they're writing those manifestos and, and putting to, to people as well. So what are the, the policies or areas that freelancers should be looking out for um, when, you know, if we have a general election, these manifestos come out from all the parties, what are the points that freelancers should be looking out for? Well, I, I would say that, you know, every freelancer in their business knows where their problems are and where they need resolution. And I would be looking to those areas. So, for instance, a lot of freelance people have trouble with late payment from clients or uh, from intermediaries or whatever. And, and this is a big problem in the UK. It's not just a freelancer problem. A lot of small businesses have this problem. The government talks a lot about this issue. It's promising to do things. But I would certainly expect to see in the party manifestos policy areas addressing the late payment area. I mean, obviously, for a lot of freelancers, the whole tax situation is, is very complex and very difficult. And you have to 
you know, get very expensive accountants to help you sort out your tax bill. And, and you know, we believe that um, we're looking um, for a simpler and a fairer tax system. And we want to debate around that. And we want the parties to recognise that the tax system we've got today is really based in the 20th century. So post-war, we'd like it to be represent the 21st century. So they need to look at issues like IR35 and the loan charge and, um, you know, NICs and things like that and, 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 and make policies around taxation relevant to the way people are working today. I mean, those are two issues. There are lots. We're producing a manifesto. It's going to be out in the next week or so. And we've got 35 recommendations covering all areas, including parental leave, you know, pensions, things like mm. that. Because you touched on IR35 there. I'm quite a novice in all of this, so I'd love to hear a little bit more about this, purely because there are going to be some freelancers that are going to be affected by this, whether they know that they're inside or outside the bracket, and some people might not even understand what IR35 is. Well, it won't apply to a lot of people because it only applies to you if you have a limited company. And uh, by and large, that you're working for one client at a time. So it's a a very particular type of... uh, freelancer but it is uh, uh, it has a big effect on people in the IT industry in engineering and, and anybody who's a real expert that has to work on long term projects um, some of this infrastructure stuff there will be people working on that and these projects like go on for years uh, and and they'll be affected by this I mean you know IR35 has been around now for 20 years and what the government is planning to do at the moment is change the whole liability. Up until now, you as a contractor freelancer were able to say, I am a freelancer, I should not be in IR35. And nine times out of ten, that would be accepted. But now what the government is saying, no, it's not the freelancer that decides this, it's the client at the end of the chain who will decide whether you're a freelancer or not. And if the clients then have to go through some tests, basically, to decide whether you are freelance or not. And the evidence we have and the evidence from the public sector, where it's already been introduced, and some of the banks that are um, getting ready for it, is that the, the client's end will just become risk averse and will just say, OK, everybody's employed. We're not having any more freelancers. And this is exactly what HMRC wants, of course. But it, it it's a big blow for many people working in these industries that if these banks or, say, the NHS won't take freelancers anymore, it means that uh, they're going to have to take employed people. And so people will have to make a decision. Are they going to be employees and pay more tax but get more rights? Or are they just going to leave freelancing completely? And it's really stripping them of their flexibility and their independence, really, if they're then popping them on the PA. And it also makes it more expensive for those businesses because it's more expensive for you to hire an employee. You pay more in um, national insurance. insurance. You have to pay holiday pay, sick pay, all these things. But, I mean, these businesses, they're taking business decisions and they at the moment feel it's better to take on employees. In the long run, I think it's going to be very difficult for them. I think it's going to be very expensive. And I think they will change their mind. But at the moment, that's the indications. So what have parties said about IR35? Are there any uh, calls to scrap it? 
So it has a bit of a kind of contested history. It will. Um, it was brought in by Labour, I think, in 2000, Simon. 99, 99 2000. 2000. Um, and, you know, it's something that the Conservatives really strongly opposed, I think, while they were in opposition. But as often happens with some government policies, when you eventually get into power as a party, you actually find that, you know, you're moving on so many different fronts in terms of policy that sometimes it's easier to just keep some of these things in place. So there is... A bit of a kind of consensus has emerged on the Conservative side anyway that, you know, this policy should be continued. Um, and I think despite kind of a few noises, it seems like that is, you know, going to be fairly fixed in place. If you ever, like I do, and the other kind of political anoraks in our office spend time on, um, you know, Parliament website and things like that, you'll see MPs kind of raise IR35 and related issues that stem from it kind of continuously in, in Parliament. But I just think, you know, it's it's a strong argument for the Treasury to point at and say, here's a kind of important source of revenue for, for government in these changes. So it's a, even though I think this kind of sympathy and a desire to perhaps shift the policy, I don't see it changing anytime soon. Um, I think what we'd be looking for from the parties in any kind of upcoming election is a bit of a step back and... Uh, you know, a kind of reappraisal of the whole tax and employment system. We're all familiar now with uh, kind of changes in the way that we work, um, whether it's kind of more flexible working or, you know, we're all now using apps like Uber and Deliveroo, um, which are kind of the, the platform and gig economies. I think now is really the time and we're kind of looking for the parties to be quite bold on this to sort of look at our employment status system and our tax system and to think actually how can we find a better way of classifying people and how can we, uh, you know, going forward, make sure yeah. these things are, are a bit more sensible and, and fit the experience that we all have? I think the the, the party that is is probably uh, looking at this uh, afresh, shall we say, more than the, the other parties is the Liberal Democrats. Um, I do feel that, that they would like to do something and they're not quite sure what, but they get an, an innate sense of this tax being unfair. But, I mean, you know, that's a long way from anything actually happening. So we've got to keep the pressure up and get a debate going. I dare say that the Conservatives, if we were able to get them in opposition or even if they were, maybe had a majority and and, and, and could think more uh, widely than they do at the moment, we could probably get a debate going within the Conservative Party as well. At the moment, it's very difficult in the Labour Party because their view is coming from the position that uh, most people are employed. A lot of people are falsely self-employed. And uh, we need to uh, stop that. And um, I I think the current Labour leadership doesn't really like self-employment. And so it's going to be very, very difficult for us to do anything with Labour at the moment. So a big problem for self-employed people is infrastructure and broadband and that could be like work hubs and these co-working spaces that are rising in more kind of rural areas and um, but I just wondered what the parties have said about broadband and infrastructure for it maybe not even a self-employed context but in general. Um, so I think this is one of these kind of few areas where there is a bit of cross-party consensus that our transport network is out of date and that too many people suffer from slow 
internet speeds and not being able to kind of access the internet, particularly people in, in rural areas. And as you say, it's certainly something that whenever we do surveys of freelancers, self-employed people, they consistently highlight um, as a kind of key issue for them. So actually, I think we will certainly see in the manifestos actually quite a lot of common ground on, on this issue. Um, the parties sometimes differ slightly in the targets for when they want things done. And there's a, always a bit of a debate as to whether the targets that politicians set for these things are realistic or not. Um, Boris Johnson, when he was campaigning for um, leadership of the Conservative Party, I think, said he wanted super fast broadband across the UK by 2025. Um, it's easy saying that it's delivering it that's quite a challenge. But I think this is something that, you know, it's one of the most common complaints that MPs get from their constituencies, you know, poor broadband. So I think this will be something where the government kind of gets it. All the opposition parties get that it's an issue. And we should see some kind of bold ambition, I think, from from all three parties on this. And then on infrastructure separately, I think this is where it gets into a bit more of a debate about what role should government itself play in, you know, whether it's things like managing the railways or building new transport links and things like that. And there'll be a bit of tension there, I think, between between the parties. But again, there's, I think, been building a consensus for a few years that um, particularly outside of London and the southeast, that the infrastructure of the UK is kind of not really fit for purpose at the moment. So again, I think that's something that freelancers will kind of hopefully be looking forward to the manifestos for some serious money being put behind um yeah kind of better infrastructure really. guidance i guess about that infrastructure so so where are freelancers in the uk is it an even spread are there more in london what's the distribution like um so yeah i think london and the southeast are typically the slightly further ahead and um i think scotland as well there's quite a large number in you would say well. that i would yeah. say that i am, I am a biased Scott when it comes to these <laughs> uh, but no I think it's you know I remember I actually that, yeah. Simon mentioning when you know from an Ipsy perspective yeah. when the oil and gas industry yeah, was really booming in, in Aberdeen it's not then. really there anymore unfortunately um, but I think you do find um, wherever you have, a, you have a big city you will have um, a good number of freelancers uh, working around the city uh, Manchester of course is media city now and it's got a good deal of freelancers and so is Bristol um, Glasgow, definitely. But you are right, uh, you mentioned earlier about uh, rural broadband. And there are a lot of people in, in, the, in rural areas working freelance, especially a lot of women who are, have got their own little industries going. And this is why I think infrastructure is really important. And they need to be able to, to buy and sell and, you know, and this, they need good internet access, mobile phone access. They probably need good roads to get to the local town and things like that. So I think, you know, for rural uh, people working freelance in a rural area, infrastructure is probably one of the key areas. Because that was one of the points that was actually brought up in the Queen's speech. So what kind of other takeaways did you get from that speech as well for the Not self-employed? Much. There wasn't much in it at all. Mm. I mean, it was a bit of window dressing for Boris. I'm not really sure it was a serious speech. I felt sorry for the Queen. <laughs> <laughs> and he's already said that if, you know, there's a general election in December, he's going to get her down to, the, uh, to do another one in January. Oh, mm. poor Queenie. I think, um, yeah, I think from our perspective, I 
I think we sort of described it. There's a few bits in there which, you know, we'd be supportive of. The government said... Crumbs. Yes, crumbs of comfort, I believe, was the... Alistair's the a pl- as an optimist. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. good, that's a good way. Yeah. Thank you, Alistair. Yeah. Um, but, you know, there was things around... Uh, the government said they'd take forward a pensions bill. Um, mm. Pensions, I mean, is a, and kind of later life saving is a huge issue for, for self-employed Definitely. people. But it so. wasn't for self-employed But it people. wasn't, no. no. But, I mean, there's bits of it which we think would be kind of helpful regardless, um, you know, just from from a kind of guidance and saving perspective um, and then obviously there's a few commitments around broadband as well but we felt that particularly as we mentioned earlier with the with the IR35 policy ruling out there's a bit of a missed opportunity for government to um, take action on this kind of issue of employment status which is something that has been mothballed slightly on their on their agenda um, so yeah there wasn't too much in it and I think this kind of speaks to a, a big issue which you know as freelancers self-employed people kind of and Ipsy as well when you're in an environment of Brexit, the NHS, crime, you know, these are really big things that cut right to the heart of people's lives, really. And trying to kind of get the case across that actually there's this group of five million people out there and just kind of a few small policy changes would make a you know, world of difference to them. Um, it can be it can be a tough, a tough ask sometimes um, to get that up the up the political agenda. You, you mentioned um, about the missed opportunity and this five million votes. And I think, you know, maybe this is a good time to talk about your manifesto because you've named the manifesto five million votes, haven't you? Yes, we have. We're, I think, uh, yeah, Simon said, hopefully by the time this goes out, we'll have hit the go button on the, <laughs> on the, on the manifesto. And it is obviously dependent on when an election will be as well. Yeah. But um, yeah. yeah, no, we've got a huge number of um, policy recommendations across a whole bunch of issues, just the ones that we've been talking about today. And I think if I was to give you the, the top five, yeah. um, the first one, which we've mentioned, is building a modern tax system. You know, R35 and issues like the loan charge as well have kind of shown that for freelancers and small businesses there's some real problems and i think we need to we need to modernize our our tax system the second one is around late payment which is you know constant kind of bugbear of Mm -hmm. freelancers self-employed and government has done a bit on this agenda but we think needs to move kind of further and faster and give powers um, to the small business commissioner to be able to fine and name and shame companies that aren't uh, paying on time Third one is around parental rights. Um, I think uh, another podcast is going to be looking at uh, this issue. Um, yes, that's the we're we're recording that scene, the podcast on parental oh, rights. So you'll get Stay a much tuned. you'll get a much more eloquent um, description of some of the issues in that area. But I think this mm. is, you know, when it comes to self-employed people. You, we're not arguing for the full bevy of employment rights that people who are in full-time jobs mm. get. You know, we don't think that's sensible or realistic, but we do think there is a bit of an issue around discrepancy with self-employed parents not being yeah. able to access things like shared parental leave. So yeah. that's a key one um, for us. Um, work hubs, we think, would be you know trying to incentivize more co-working spaces in town and city centres through you know some business rates relief, similar to kind of. Um, charities as well. We think that would be a great way to get entrepreneurial people into the high street, you know, communicating, innovating um, in a kind of yeah shared working environment. And um, I think our final one was around later life saving and pensions. Um, 
you know, I think there's been a pension revolution. If you're employed, you know, all of us around this table, I think, have benefited from auto enrolment, um, mm, yeah. which kind of just helps us kind of put away a little bit for for later life. But if you're self-employed, you don't have that. And we're not, again, we're not asking for a kind of like-for-like system. What we're looking for is for government to take the lead and work with industry to identify sort of more flexible options that will work for freelancers. So that's our that's our top five that we'll kind of be going into bat with in the next few weeks and months. Well, that's really interesting. And Simon, where will this manifesto go? Who will be reading it? Well, what we're going to do is send it to all parliamentary candidates in the United Kingdom. And um, hopefully uh, they will read it. But once uh, the election's over, then we will follow it up with the new MPs as well. And we will reiterate what was in the manifesto and try and see if we can get some interest from the new MPs on some of the topics we've risen uh, in the um, manifesto. We'll also, um, you know, obviously do some media. Uh, uh, we'll be doing launching it into the press and uh, we'll be getting hopefully a bit of discussion going there and uh, uh, we'll, to our stakeholders people we work with in other industries and sectors we'll be we'll be sending it to them and you know that will be uh, the manifesto will be our our policy lines our you know key statements during the election and uh, thereafter really for the next year or so right so what's what are your goals with this manifesto what are you hoping to achieve so i think in, <laughs> i think in the uh, in the short term it would be brilliant to have some reflection of these asks in the party manifestos and some dedicated lines and kind of good positive words about self-employment in each of the manifestos we'd love I mean, to, to be see realistic because the election's coming so quickly and it's much uh the timescale we're working on is much curtailed. It's probably going to be very difficult to get them into the manifesto. But if we can get some of the essence of what we're saying in there and then we can follow up after the election, I think that, that would be the the better achievement. Yeah, absolutely. Know? I think, as Simon says, you know, with Brexit so dominating discussions, this next mm. election is going to be about that, essentially. Mm. So getting kind of anything in <laughs> beyond yeah. that will be tricky. But as as we were saying, you know, this is this is a set of policies yeah. that we want to build through the next parliament. So it doesn't it very much isn't a case of, you know, election manifestos are published and then we never hear of our <laughs> you know things. It's an again. ongoing it's process. It's an ongoing process. And that's the way that policy works. That's you know, ideas take a long time to gestate, they get kicked around officials and government departments, and you know, mm. we have to kind of keep on people's yeah. case and keep pushing yeah. it. So it's really, you know, that's there's a real long term. But it is, I mean, election time is a time when the parties are looking for policies. Yeah. So it is an opportunity to, for us in a very short time frame now to try and get these policies across to them. They could be an easy way to win five million votes, as you say. We have some questions actually from these five million voters um, from self-employed people and freelancers from Twitter. Um, so Faye, you had the questions, didn't you? Well, to start it, I didn't want to go straight away with the Twitter ones because I have a question myself. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Go for it. Hey, this is amazing. So, I know. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I just wanted to ask, where can I go to find out more about all of what the parties stand for? You can go to Ipsy. I can go to Ipsy. <laughs> I know that I can. And you can go to the Ipsy website where we will have full coverage of what the party manifestos are saying. Okay. So straight to manifestos from Ipsy. Yeah, then. we will be analysing the manifestos. We will be telling the freelance world what the parties are offering. 
and probably saying whether we think it's a good or bad thing. And that'll be on the website. But if you want to find out more about politics, it isn't necessarily how it affects the self-employed. You can go onto the party websites and read the manifestos there uh, or go onto the BBC website. They break it down very simply. Um, and Simple Politics as well as a good website it kind of shows you exactly what's happening and it is put in simple words so that you don't have to be an expert or a politics nerd to understand what's going on. So going to the questions from Twitter, um, someone wrote in to ask it, what dates they should be particularly aware of coming up in the political calendar. Well, I mean, you know, the general election, whenever it comes, is the big day and it will have the biggest effect on everybody's life. Um, if there isn't a general election, there's, there, there, there's meant to be a budget on the 6th of November um, where the government will lay out its um, spending plans and tax plans for the next year. It will probably just be a bit of electioneering because they don't have the votes to get it through. But at least it'll lay out where the Conservative government would like to take us. Um, in the new year, well, at some time in the new year, there will be Brexit Day. And uh, that is, at the moment, if the EU give us the extension of the 31st of January, but we've had many of these dates and they've moved on. So I don't quite know. It could be the 31st of January. Then I really think... Going, looking any further ahead than the 31st of January, it's impossible to tell. And I think we're in a very fluid and volatile situation. So I think really we need to take one week at a time at the moment. One day at a time at the moment, it feels <laughs> well, yeah, like. One day. Mm. But it looks as if we're not going to hear anything about an election for at least another week. So Yeah, that was actually another question was mm. whether there is any clarity now and again we are speaking on the 24th October which is weeks before this comes out any clarity at the moment about when that general election will be well there are uh, there are uh, there's discussions amongst the politicians the 20th of November has been discussed 5th of December but the one that was really hardening up this morning because the chief whip of the conservative party is telling MPs this is the 10th of December right as much as I'd love to talk about this all <laughs> evening, because I love this so much. You love your politics. <laughs> I love my politics. No, I do enjoy listening and learning. But thank you so much for coming on, guys. It's been really interesting and insightful to learn a little bit more. And also, hopefully, those freelancers listening that do struggle a bit with politics hopefully got a lot from that too. So listen to Freelance Party Broadcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify and most other podcast platforms. Like, share and subscribe and don't forget to leave us a review. This is the podcast of Freelance Corner, the online platform for the UK's freelancers that is launching soon. Keep an eye on freelancecorner.co.uk so you are the first to know when we launch. Thanks for listening. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>